So the effective writing workshop series, uh, this is module two, which deals with uh, specifically writing strategies that you can use to employ in the classroom or in your program uh, to sort of help focus the program and ensure that the success uh, that your students have writing success. The agenda for today, uh, we're going to reintroduce the series um, just so that you, again, if you didn't, if you weren't able to watch the first workshop, you can have an idea about what's, uh, what we, where we started and where we hope to end. We'll do a recap, <clears throat> a quick recap of module one so that you can see how that leads into module two. Uh, the importance of implementing writing strategies, why, why think about uh, implementing writing strategies? Why is this something that's critical? And then we'll talk about the writing strategies at the structural level first, and then at the mechanical level, talk about what's involved and then talk about the actual details of implementing each. Uh, finally, scaffolding and process writing. So why I believe that scaffolding and writing is very important and then why process writing is uh, for me an important part of scaffolding, then answer any questions that you may have. This particular workshop might be a bit shorter than the first one, um, but again, you know, it's, it's, it, it's designed, uh, you know, it's designed to uh, be interactive. So if you have any questions, feel free to, to ask. Okay, so in recapping the structure of the series, uh, this series is designed to give a comprehensive foundation of everything involved in teaching writing. The first module was the psychology of writing and sort of as an educator and as an administrator, uh, I've, I've learned over the years that it's very important to sort of deal with things at the macro level first before getting into the micro level. Because sometimes if you focus on the details without explaining like how that, how that all fits in, what's the bigger picture, sometimes you know, it, it can be counterproductive. So part of writing uh, for me I found, especially when you're teaching to students who are from different cultures, is that it's important to talk about the psychology, right? What's involved in this uh, major skill? And so we talked about that uh, in the last session. <clears throat> and that was uh, with the idea of, uh, again, starting sort of with the big picture, what's involved with the whole cognitive process, the psychological process of writing, what are the challenges of that involved? And then once you have that as a framework and as a background, then you can sort of uh, get into a little bit more details about actual strategies. So that was what we did the last session. This session, we'll talk about writing strategies, uh, the importance of it, and then at the structural mechanical level. Next week, I plan to talk about the importance of feedback. I will dedicate an entire workshop to that. Why is it important? How did, and, and more importantly, how does it look like? So what are different ways of feedback? and then maybe look at a few case studies of uh, things that you may have encountered or might encounter with students uh, and feedback. Um, yeah. And then the last session I designed, uh, I was thinking about tackling plagiarism, just because this continues to be a pretty important, um, important topic. And as there's, there's a lot of things involved in it sort of from a cultural level that people may not be aware of um, and then there's also you get into the you get into the discussion of intentional versus unintentional plagiarism um, how lenient should you be with it and things like that so um, yeah I was thinking about uh, making sure that that's the last session but ultimately as I mentioned in the first session if there are any topics of greater interest uh, that you may have or that may be more specific or more particular to your 
uh, teaching and learning context, then by all means, you can forward that to uh, uh, Imran and he can let me know and I can, you know, replace one of these uh, sessions if you don't feel that it will be uh, that, uh, you know, that uh, relevant to your context. Uh, but in general, I think that these are pretty important um, things to cover in any <clears throat> sort of foundational uh, writing program. So that's an introduction to the series. Now we can recap module one. So remember, uh, module one was about the psychology of writing. And in that session, we talked about how critical it was to understand the psychology of writing. What, what sorts of things are going on uh, with the psychology of writing? And um, that's important because again, it helps with your approach to writing at the macro level. We talked about uh, many things with regards to the psychology of writing. We talked about how it's a very complex skill. We talked about how it is the last skill to be mastered for any human being. Um, generally, when, when uh, we come out of the womb and we are learning and developing, we, we're, not, we're not writing, we're always talking. All right, talking, listening, uh, that is natural. Uh, you have some cultures and some societies that do not have any writing systems whatsoever. They're still only oral. So fundamentally, writing is not something that is uh, particularly natural. Um, it is something that's learned uh, to be able to express your ideas uh, in writing and have them on paper. Um, so that's important to understand. It's a complex, very complex skill. It's the last one to be developed. Uh, and not only that, <clears throat> but it's also important to understand that when you're writing between cultures, uh, that this is even, that this adds a layer of difficulty, right? So uh, I use the example of, of Chinese and Arabic, um, the way that uh, the right, we have to understand that writing is very, language in general is very connected to culture, right? So um, in cultures where there is no emphasis or no value placed on directness, on getting to the point, then that will reflect in their writing, right? Writing, reading, uh, the communication in general. So for instance, contrastive rhetoric, rhetoric is a branch of linguistics that examines how writing systems are different from each other. And in the last session, we talked about how, for instance, Chinese, uh, there is no value placed on being direct. And that actually the the responsibility of the text lays on the reader to, to figure out what the writer is trying to say, as opposed to English, where the responsibility on, is on the writer to make everything clear. So understanding this fundamental difference or these fundamental differences is very important uh, because it helps students to understand what the expectations are of English speakers and how to manage those expectations. Uh, we also talked about just how different grammar and vocabulary are uh, between uh, writing systems and also how it, what's very particular for English and how particularly with grammar, uh, you, you know, you learn one rule, but uh, you end up learning 10 exceptions to the rule. And unfortunately, most of the common or lower level things are exceptions and not like not, not, not the fundamental rules. So you spend a lot of students have a lot of confusion uh, in the beginning. Um, and then also just how important it is to be a good writer, because unlike speaking and listening, if something is not clear in your writing, there's no way that a person can ask for clarification, right? So if they don't understand something from your writing, then that means that you have, or the student has failed uh, as a writer in expressing their points. And that's what we want to avoid. We want to make sure that they become proficient writers by being uh, 
uh, as clear as possible. Uh, and also because it is, you know, it can be quite a cognitive uh, challenge and it can be quite cognitively demanding. Uh, in my opinion, it, it requires tremendous support from, and that's, sorry, that, that uh, what you call it, the uh, parentheses should be, the, the uh, yeah, it should be in the other directions. Um, the, uh, yeah, uh, it requires tremendous support from uh, the, really from the, at all levels. So from uh, the teacher and then also from the administration. Um, and you do that by providing scaffolding, scaffold the program, you scaffold your introduction of uh, important, uh, you know, writing concepts, and then also by providing enough feedback. Um, does anyone have any questions? If you have any questions, feel free to ask or any comments before we move on. So that was just a recap of what we talked about in the first uh, module. And now we'll move on. Okay, so the importance of implementing writing strategies. Why is it even important? Why, do, why even bother? Well, after studying the macro perspective, so we looked at the psychology of writing, right? So what, what, what's involved at the cognitive level, you know, at the, at the base level, what's, what's involved? Once you study at the macro level and you understand the, the issues that are involved and the obstacles and the challenges that may be raised, now you need to develop strategies to successfully tackle those issues and lay out your program or your course or your curriculum in a way that is digestible and you know, accessible to everyone because students will come in to a writing course at different levels and you wanna sort of make sure that you don't leave anyone out. Uh, scaffolding is proven to help students become proficient writers. So when you allow students, when you take an incremental and developmental approach to writing uh, and just, just take it step by step, it's proven that it, you know, research has proven that it helps students become proficient writers. And of course, that is the goal of any um, learning program is to make sure that students come out uh, stronger writers than they were when they came in. Uh, it involves, uh, make sure you, you review the writing curriculum. I'm not sure um, in your context, what sort of writing program do you use? Do you use particular textbooks? Have you developed your own? I've, I've been in, does anyone, someone wants to make a comment? Um, Brother Suniman, if you could just like dig a little deeper into like, um, I know that many curriculums have their own embedded writing curriculum in it, but if you could just please explain the scaffolding part and the importance of just taking it piece by piece to build, yeah. you know, a more proficient writer. If you could just dig a little bit deeper, because I do have a couple of our staff on there that teach the lower elementary. Yep, yep. I'm gonna dig. I'm gonna dig. I'm gonna dig very deep into that. <laughs> Thank you. Yep, yep. No worries. Um, so yeah. So when you um, when you uh, are beginning a writing program and you, or you're trying to implement one, you know, uh, it's important to review the curriculum that you have, um, that you have uh, implemented. Now, some, in some cases it might not be, you know, depending on your level, if you're a teacher, the amount of, uh, of review or critique that you can give can be, you know, the, the level of impact that has might be a bit uh, different than is if you're an administrator, but at the same time, you know, um, I've been there where I have taught uh, without being an administrator, I've taught in class, and the curriculum really doesn't serve the needs in one way or another, uh, the, the, the needs of my class. So as 
a, an instructor, as an educator, and as administrator, you just want to review the curriculum because not all curricula, you know, it's not a one size fits all sort of uh, thing. There's always going to be, you know, specific needs, you know, in different communities, uh, different levels. So it's important to it's important to review the curriculum with a particular focus on deficiencies. So where are the areas of the curriculum? Uh, you know, are they, is it not enough focus on grammar? If it's, is it too much focus on grammar? Is it not enough focus on mechanics? Um, you know, are, are there language issues that are particular to your community that are not represented in the writing curriculum? These are sort of things that you can carry out, you know, by yourself. This just makes it, this just makes the, the writing program have more value um, because not all curricula, you know, are, it's a one size fits all. Ideally, if you could develop, if you have one developed with, you know, in-house, you know, um, you know, by yourself, that's, that's great because, you know, that takes a lot of time, but it also is a lot more specific to the needs of your community. But if you're using a generic textbook, you know, that's fine too. Um, but again, a lot of times they don't address all the, all the needs of your, uh, you know, language learning program. So it's important to review the curriculum, supplement where appropriate, right? So in the event that it doesn't um, meet specific needs or, you know, if, if there's like serious, there are seriously lacking uh, issues, then, you know, you, you can, um, you know, voice your concerns, uh, make the supplements that, that are necessary in your own classroom, but also, you know, it's also important to check in with administrators because you don't want, you don't want to do things that are antithetical to what is being, you know, what, what, what the overall objectives of the program are. But again, you also want to supplement in areas where there's not enough support. Uh, it may be also helpful to research the different writing systems if your students are coming from different, uh, you know, mother language uh, backgrounds. So, then, so English is not their first language, or they're not bilingual. It might be it might be helpful to look at the different writing systems and how they compare to English and what you know what sorts of you know it, it might I mean depending on how many different types of students there are in your class. When I was teaching here in New York, I had different students. You know, I had Chinese students, Korean students. Um, Arab students, um, you know, Latin students. So it may be difficult to look at all those different writing systems, but if you have an overwhelming majority of a, a particular type of student in your class, it might be helpful to look at the writing system of the mother language so that it can just help, it can help you understand a little bit better what their, uh, what particular challenges they might have. I, again, spent a significant amount of time in the Middle East in Saudi Arabia. So Arabic was the uh, mother language of most of the students, 95% of them. So in doing some, you know, preliminary research on Arabic and how it's different than English, I was able to, you know, um, you know, tailor the, the writing program to make sure that it addressed the needs of Arabic learners so that it, help, it can help. All right, so we're going to look at um, writing strategies at, at different levels. So the first level is structural level, and we'll talk about what does that mean, and then we'll look at the mechanical level. And what does that, you know, what does that entail? <clears throat> and then we'll go to uh, what do we mean by scaffolding and how do we, how can we scaffold a program? Um, you know, how can we scaffold a program to meet the needs of the students? And actually, uh, this is part of it as well in terms of scaffolding is understanding that there are different levels uh, to writing, the different layers of writing that you should be perfectly aware of so that you know, you can put emphasis on whatever uh, students need most, but also you don't spend too much time on 
one particular thing at the expense of another. Um, that's a problem that I feel that some educators have when they don't understand the issue of uh, scaffolding and making things digestible. They sort of just want to jump into uh, everything at once. And generally, the more complicated things without understanding that, you know, there's a, there's a developmental proce process to becoming a good writer. So hopefully, uh, I will answer those questions. Um, I will answer some of those questions here. And if anything is, you know, if there are any remaining questions afterwards, feel free to ask. So at the structural level, the difference between structural mechanical and is one more important than the other. So we're talking about structural uh, issues related to writing as opposed to mechanical. But when you talk about structural level, you have to think about sort of the, the bigger picture, right? So the, it deals with the flow and the linkage of ideas. So how are the, the ideas related? Uh, how are they related to the topic? Uh, how are they related to each other? Are they different to, to each other, right? And then also the number of ideas. So a student can have structural deficiency when they don't present enough ideas or they present ideas that are too similar to each other. So in actuality, instead of presenting two ideas, they actually have one because they're so similar, right? So you have to have, you have to make sure that you have a number of different ideas. And then also clarity. So you may have ideas uh, that you present, um, but are they clear? Are they exactly what, uh, did, did the message that you intend to communicate, did that, did that uh, reach the audience? So structural level deals with sort of the big picture, ideas, number of ideas, um, topic sentences, uh, you know, the thesis, is it clear? Um, things like this. The mechanical level deals with sort of the more uh, specifics at the sentence level, pretty much at the sentence level, but also at the, at the uh, paragraph level, uh, the correct usage of punctuation. Is the vocabulary correct? Uh, is the spelling correct? Right, so these are sort of the more, uh, the finer points of the writing. So after you've presented the ideas, um, how did you present those ideas? In what in what fashion? What you know? What was at the at the mechanical level? You know, uh, yeah, I forgot to mention here's grammar as well. So did you use the right grammar uh, to communicate tenses and things like this? Uh, which one is important? Honestly, to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't say one is necessarily more important than the other. Although I have encountered in my uh, experience, I've encountered that the structural level students tend to have more um, problems at the structural level than they do at the punctuation, uh, vocabulary, spelling level. Um, and I say not one is necessarily important because I've also had students who have uh, perfect grammar, perfect grammar, a vocabulary spelling, but the ideas are just, you know, it's just, I have no idea what they're saying. It's a great piece, but it, they're all over the place, right? Um, and vice versa. I've had students that have great ideas, um, but, you know, the punctuation, vocabulary, uh, it gets in the way of, of the strength of those ideas. So, again, I, won't, I wouldn't say that one is more important than the other. I think they're equally important, um, but I think that you'll have, you'll tend to have more problems at the structural level um, just because that's just the nature of, of uh, English. I think it's specifically, uh, especially if the students come from uh, non-English backgrounds, uh, just, the, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a big difference in how they express ideas uh, in their mother language as opposed to, um, as opposed to uh, English. 
Um, but in any case, both the structural and the mechanical levels need to be uh, addressed. They need to be, um, you know, they need to be, you, you need to make sure that you support them uh, at each level without giving more than one, more than one, uh, more, one more preference than the other. Uh, so at the structural level, the ideas uh, is generally the, what you will, um, generally what you will face as issues. Uh, in, in terms of clarity, a big problem that I've noticed is that students will think that they have written an idea clearly, only to find out that they understand the idea they've written clearly, but they but what they want their audience to understand has not been it hasn't been communicated that way. How does that manifest? I come to a student and ask you know him or her to tell me, okay, what did you mean exactly here? And they give a, a great explanation. And I tell them, well, everything you said just there is, is nowhere to be found in this sentence or in this paragraph. So um, that's an issue where the student has to make sure that they mean what they write and write what they mean, right? So clarity is an issue at the structural level. Yes? Someone has a comment? No? Okay, the, the number of ideas, as I mentioned. So uh, generally, I mean, every writing system or every writing program has different uh, requirements, you know, at the essay level, at the paragraph level, uh, sometimes you'll find that a student just doesn't have uh, enough ideas uh, or enough different ideas um, per paragraph or per essay. And so that's a structural level where they have to understand, um, they have to understand the expectations of a five paragraph essay in English. Um, they have to understand the expectations of a paragraph and they have to understand how to present ideas that are different from each other but relevant to the topic. So again, that's sort of a structural issue. Uh, another issue is that, that students that I've, in my experience, I've faced uh, students present ideas, but they think it's enough to pre just present it without elaborating on it and explaining the relevance of this idea to their main topic. They just sort of present idea, present idea, present idea without taking the extra step to elaborate on it. Explain the relevance. How is this idea relevant to your main idea? A lot of times, again, they think it's self-explanatory. And that's another sort of academic and cognitive hurdle, uh, you know, that students face because they think that it's enough to just write a sentence or write an idea without, and write even write a supporting idea without elaborating or explaining the connection. Proficient writers explain the connection. They leave everything uh, clearly laid out on the table without there and leave no room for uh, confusion or misunderstanding on the reader's part. So it's very important uh, for students to understand the elaboration of ideas. Again, that's at the structural level. All right. So those are the main uh, those are the main things that I would uh, emphasize when teaching uh, when teaching writing and when dealing at the structural level. That these are the things that you will uh, encounter. At the mechanical level, students will often encounter mechanical problems with the following. I'm pretty sure we all we can all um, we can all figure out what those are. Spelling spelling can be an absolute nightmare. Uh, it also depends, I guess, if you're doing handwrite handwritten assignments as opposed to word processing assignments. Um, I've had account and experiences with both. Obviously, with uh, word processing, you'd have you should have fewer. Spelling issues, but believe it or not, you know, students, some students just are not 
that savvy enough to use spell check and things like that. So it tends to be a handwriting uh, handwriting issue. Um, the spelling issues can be anywhere from basic to severe. Again, that depends on how strong the student's knowledge of sort of the basic, um, you know, the basics of, of English are. Uh, again, I have seen all types of levels. I've seen students who really, really struggle uh, with spelling. And that's again, because English is not, it's not a phonetic language. It's not, you know, uh, and by phonetic, I mean that what you hear is what you write and what you write is what you, what you say, right? So a lot of times students, if they don't know the actual spelling, they're basing on, on you know, they'll say it to themselves and based on what they hear, they'll spell it out. So they'll spell it out perfectly phonetically, you know, but if it's not spelled in a way that we recognize, a lot of times we may not understand what the person is saying. And so it's important because it does interfere with uh, comprehension. So, you know, general basic spelling mistakes, a letter here too, no problem. But if the word is so, uh, you know, it's so, uh, it's spelled so poorly that you can't understand exactly what the student is trying to write, then that becomes an issue. How do you remedy that? You, there are tons of spelling practice uh, uh, exercises online and websites. I don't have any offhand, but I'm sure there, there are plenty um, online that can help with spelling practice. Generally, you know, this is sort of at a very, very low level. Um, so if you have a place in the curriculum to sort of begin with that, and here, here's where we, here is where we continue the discussion of scaffolding. If uh, you're at a very, very low level and you anticipate that students will have spelling issues, then I would dedicate a significant portion of the beginning of the course to spelling exercises. So have spelling bees, spelling activities, spelling worksheets, uh, anything that's necessary so that students can crawl before they walk. So, you know, so sometimes you might have an expectation that all students are great spellers, but that might not be the case. So you can, um, you can sort of meet that problem at the pass by providing some space in the curriculum to make sure that students are all on board uh, with spelling before you, you know, move on to, um, you move on to uh, sort of more complicated, complex uh, writing issues. Another issue that you will find at the mechanical level is vocabulary. So vocabulary usage is, uh, can be an issue. Uh, a, a student, there might be a paucity of vocabulary usage with the student. They just don't have enough words. They haven't, they, they, they just don't, their, their vocabulary repertoire is just very, very uh, weak. And so you find themselves repeating them. You find them repeating themselves often, um, you know, not just basically, you know, just basically not being able to express themselves in complex ways. Or, you know, you have students who, actually have a pretty good uh, vocabulary base, but their usage is, uh, can be anywhere from basic, basically to severely off, um, you know, so again, that goes with, uh, that comes with the territory, you know, we want our students to be able to use, uh, to have a huge rep repertoire of vocabulary, but you have to use it effectively, um, just knowing the word or studying a vocabulary list that's not sufficient. You have to know, and this is where it comes to the next one. So you have to understand the words in context, right? Not understanding, a student might understand, they might understand uh, vocabulary or they might, 
you know, they might have, again, they might have a, a, a big repertoire, but they don't understand the nuance of vocabulary. So they don't understand that this word generally is used in negative contexts as opposed to the positive ones or vice versa. So, uh, you know, that might be for more advanced learners, you know, um, and it's an honest mistake, but again, that comes with mastery of the language, knowing that, okay, these two words are similar, but one has a negative connotation, one has a positive connotation. That's kind of like the last, you know, the last level to be mastered with vocabulary. But again, this is at the mechanical level where uh, you need to assist students with their vocabulary usage. And how do you do that? A lot of times, like I said, I, I'm not the type to just give students a vocabulary list of 10, 15 pages and say, go memorize that. Uh, it's very important to, um, to get students to read words in context. Uh, reading words decontextualize is it can actually do quite a lot of harm um, because they they're learning words and not knowing how to use them. So uh, part of enhancing their vocabulary usage is getting them to read uh, words in context. So for instance, if you know that there's a particular writing topic that you have coming up um, and you want to help the students, you might give them readings on the topic that has you know a significant amount of you know, challenging vocabulary so that they can see how these words are used in uh, context. Also at the grammar level, uh, there's an issue with, in my experience, there's been tremendous issues with verb tenses, uh, particularly with the perfect tenses. As I mentioned in the previous workshop, um, sometimes you have tenses that are not uh, found in the student's mother language, particularly with perfect tenses, so present perfect and past perfect. So the conceptually, they don't understand when they read it, they don't, they don't understand what it means to you. How, like, how is it different than the past tense? Or, or um, in the case of past perfect, why, why do I have to use, why can I only use this tense when I'm talking about two actions? You know, so sometimes it might, just, cognitively, they just, it just, they can't wrap their, or it takes some time for them to wrap their uh, minds around it. Um, but verb tenses is an area that can be a bit challenging uh, for students. In terms of grammar, subject verb agreement, you'll find a lot of errors with that. Um, where they basically, you know, particularly in the present tense, the addition of the S or with helping verbs where they have to use um, he, she, or it, and then they have to use is, you might see, you might see them use are, uh, you might see them leave it all, uh, leave it out altogether. Um, so subject verb agreement is an issue uh, at the mechanical level that I've seen is quite common. Also fragments, and this is sort of one of the bigger uh, issues at the mechanical level is understanding word functions. So and word parts. So what is the what is a subject? So defining what a subject is, defining what a verb is, defining what a defining what a clause is. Again, when it comes to scaffolding, and I believe I mentioned this at the in the, in the next slide, it's very important for students to understand. And I spend a significant amount of time on this. I spend a significant amount of time working at the sentence level. And you know, the students who come to me, they know how to write essays, right? But I don't care that you know how to write essays because sure, you might have written you know, essays before, hopefully they're strong, right? But there's a lot of times when you don't know the level of this, that this, the level of the writing program that the students are coming from. And so what I've found is that there's sort of fundamental things about writing that they have not learned before, but are critical to their writing success. So you can imagine that I've had issues, I've had situations where I've taught 
university level students and I asked them to define what is a subject and they can't give me an answer. I asked them to define what is a verb. They can't give me an answer. I asked them to define what is a clause. They can't give me an answer. What is a, a phrase? They can't give me, what is a preposition? They don't know. So it's important that you uh, don't take it for granted that these students know everything. Um, uh, yeah, you can't take that for granted. If you set the stage in the beginning of a writing course or writing program and you sort of uh, assess where everyone is, then you can make the, you know, you can make the conclusion, okay, we don't need to spend time on this or we don't need to spend time on that. Um, but what I have found again is that I spend, I usually spend significant time at the sentence level, explain to the students, guys and girls, you can't make a good paragraph without writing a good sentence. And then once we, uh, once we um, move on from the sentence level, then we move on to the paragraph level, because I explained to them, you can't uh, form good essays without good paragraphs. And so it's important for you to make sure that you, um, you take that approach. Yes, Dawn? alaikum. Uh, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you well. Oh, great, thank you. Um, I just wanted to just uh, mention as well, uh, I teach middle and, and high school students and, and English, uh, writing, everything, vocabulary, you name it, um, anything that has to do with English. And what I found also, especially during this time, you know, where a lot of kids were virtual last year and many are coming to me from, like you were saying, different experiences and different knowledge uh, base what they had previously and whether they did have a pretty strong year last year because like I said many were virtual and maybe not getting the you know the full they were not paying attention to the full extent that they would have been face to face yeah. um, also just remembering what things are you know a lot of times it just it's a reminder I'm doing kind of an a grammar crash course you know one by one each part of speech and you know just running through and you know um, many of them some of them like you said, or have a very weak uh, foundation and others it just took like a memory jog because I know what they got, especially in elementary, yeah. uh, they may not remember, you know, exactly what is the definition of a noun. So it's really important not to just assume going forward that they have that. Um, you may need to like just do many lessons just to kind of reinforce, um, you know, and like you were saying, thank you so much uh, for scaffolding, you know, yep. building that competence. Exactly. I couldn't have said it any better. Exactly. I mean, yeah, all those I mean, you can't you can't take those things for uh, granted. So that's why <clears throat> that's why a scaffolding approach is very critical because you don't take things for granted. You assume that look, you know, we want to make sure that everyone we want to make sure that everyone is that is is if there are seventy percent of the people at this level, we want to make sure one hundred percent of the class is at this level before we move on to the next level. And so what that does is it just you know, it, you know, it might be a bit repetitive for the stronger students, but you want to make sure that no one is left behind with the weaker students. Yes, Dawn, again? Oh, that was all I had to say, brother. Oh, Thank okay, you. Okay. All right, no worries. Um, yeah, so like I said, when you begin a writing, a writing program or you have, you know, um, you know, writing a course that you are delivering, again, I would begin with making sure that everyone has a basic common understanding of what needs to be done at the sentence level. And that involves, you know, going through, uh, you know, terminology, what is a noun, adjective, preposition, what are the parts of speech, what are the different types of sentences. So once I move for, okay, what makes a basic sentence? What are the different types of sentences, you know, involved? So compound, compound, complex, 
uh, simple. Um, and then with that working knowledge of at the sentence level, then you can start to talk about things competently at the paragraph level. And you can mention concepts and things um, that are integral at the sentence level. And when you start mentioning these things, then because you've talked about it in depth, it's not like a, it's not like a shock or it's not like confusing because some, you know, a, a teacher may begin immediately paragraphs talking about, okay, yeah, you need to have this variety of sentences and you have to have this number of sentences in a paragraph and then students, a student may not even know the different types of sentences, right? But you've already, you've already uh, br breezed over that and gone straight to the paragraph level. So again, it's just important to, to make sure that you um, present writing in a, you know, sort of meticulous and incremental way. Okay, and this is the last slide. So scaffolding and process writing. Uh, scaffolding, again, is critical, especially at the lower levels. Um, I, I teach to the lowest common denominator, not the highest. So I'm not really concerned if the stronger students uh, get bored or frustrated that I'm spending so much time, you know, at lower levels. You know, I try to give them uh, things to do or try to, you know, help them um, sort of mentor the weaker students or give them extra activities if we're doing something that if, if we're doing something that is um, if there's something that is I, I think that they'll find pretty easy but that's only in the case where you have one or two or three really advanced students um, but for the most part what you'll find is that um, you know most of the students benefit from a scaffolding uh, approach uh, just because you know for weaker students, obviously they can get up to speed. For um, sort of intermediate intermediate students, it's sort of just brushing up. And for you know the, those advanced students, where it's just sort of it's a piece of cake. Again, there are other things that you can do to sort of uh, help push them. But again, I teach to the lowest common denominator, not the highest. Um, you need to balance your feedback. Okay, so again, when you are um, when you are, you know, uh, implementing your, your uh, classes, implementing your strategies, uh, it's important to give feedback and that's going to be in the next, uh, the next workshop. So um, it's important to give feedback, but you need to figure out, and this is also something that will come from the administrative sort of policy on feedback uh, in terms of time. A lot of times um, you may not have you may not have a lot of time to give details on every single little mistake, especially at the mechanical level. Um, but at the same time, I would say, you know, you can't just focus on structural issues without without giving any attention to mechanical. And, you know, I wouldn't, you know, and vice versa, I wouldn't, you know, spend significant amount of time talking about grammar and punctuation without talking about sort of the structural issues because both are important. So you just need to balance that and make sure that that is uh, crucial. Um, again, you, I would spend a significant amount of time at the lower levels and lower levels of writing, I mean. So uh, you scaffold by making sure that everyone has a basic understanding of what a, an English successful English sentence is. And then once that knowledge base is built up and you've assessed it, you've, you know, you have you have evidence that everyone is pretty much on, on board. Then you move on to uh, the paragraph level. 
Okay, what is what are the integral parts of a paragraph and then the different types of paragraphs and then, you know, so on and so forth. And then you move on to the essay level. And then by the time you finish, you'll see and the students will see, um, you know, that they have taken things step by step. But but over time, those small steps become pretty big and, 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 and um, pretty big and significant. Uh, and so they also feel like a sort they, they feel a sense of of achievement that, you know, they began the semester or the, you know, the quarter or whatever, not really knowing certain things. And then by the end, they can speak pretty competently about a number of different things. And that's because you've provided a scaffolded approach uh, and you've allowed the students to build solid foundations before moving on to more, you know, challenging um, uh, areas of writing. And that you can't do that without scaffolding. You can't, it's, it's impossible. If you go straight to material without checking to make sure that everyone is on the same page, then it's like building a building from the roof, you know, and expecting it to be, you know, to be um, to be a solid foundation. It's not going to work. Uh, I would also review the process versus product approach. So this is also important for me in terms of uh, it's not necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily call it. Uh, I wouldn't call it a scaffolding approach, but it does help with um, students developing their skills incrementally, incrementally, okay? So taking a process approach scaffolds the writing process as opposed to taking a product approach where students really aren't concerned with how they get to the final product. They're just, they're just interested in the final project, product. That again is, you know, that to me is, is this sort of, you know, it's a dangerous approach to writing because there's so many things involved in writing. And, um, you know, again, that, this is all contingent on your, you know, what the administrators have set, uh, you know, set as the, the uh, curricular focus. Also, obviously, for uh, writing tests like the TOEFL exam. Um, there is no process approach. The student is getting assessed on the final product and it's also timed, right? So there might be a bit more emphasis, you know, there might be, there might be a little less room uh, for process instruction when you have these sort of constrictions on you. But at the same time, if these uh, restriction, restrictions are not there, um, then I would definitely say that process approach is the, um, it's the best approach to writing. And it also makes, it mitigates a, uh, a challenge that can be, it can be quite formidable for some students. When you, when, you, when you tell a student, look, you have to write an essay, we have to research, write a, we, have to, we have to write a research paper and you have this amount of time to do it or this, this amount of days, you know, it can be overwhelming, especially if the student isn't confident in their writing skills, they're like, how do I how do I write this large piece of writing without, you know, and I have to do it in this specific amount of time? Well, if you take a process approach to it, it definitely makes the task more digestible. And on top of that, research has shown that students who implement process approaches uh, generally have stronger pieces of writing. So it's just, you know, it just makes sense to make sure that you implement a process approach to writing. Part of it also is to get students to buy into the process. Um, what you find is that some, a lot of students, depending on where you are, but a lot of students will see it as just extra work, busy work. Why, why do I need to write four drafts of something when I can write it just once and that's it? And voila, I have my, you know, I have my grade. Um, 
and I show students all the time, you know, that look, you, you know, sometimes they come to me and they have a, a, a paper that received a B. And then when we go through the mistakes that they made, they say, oh yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that, I know that. I said, yeah, so all you had to do before you finished it was take that last step, two minutes, three minutes of going back through your work and looking for mistakes, right? If you had done that, you would have found all the mistakes that you know that, that you're talking about sitting right in front of me. And that grade could have been very easily gone from a B to a B plus or an A. So part of getting students to buy into the process is letting them know that, look, not only will you become a better writer, but your grades should increase because you are taking the extra effort to uh, go through your writing. You're taking the steps to build strong paragraphs, build strong ideas. And then ultimately, before you turn it in, you're taking that last step to review your work. Um, <coughs> I would dedicate a significant portion of the course to explaining and modeling process the process approach at every step. So explain to students, what is a brainstorm, right? <clears throat> and why do we do it? What's the, what's the purpose? You know, uh, some teachers, you know, they, and because I've been, like I said, I've been an administrator. So I've, you know, I, um, you know, assess teachers, I've evaluated teachers. And sometimes, you know, teachers take it for granted the how and why of, you know, doing things. So they just tell students, okay, you need to brainstorm. And they might give them an example of what a brainstorm looks like, but they don't tell them, like, what's the purpose of it? They tell them to do it. They tell them this is what it looks like, but they don't explain, you know, what's the purpose behind it. It's very important to explain why these things are being done because it helps the student to internalize what it is that they're doing and not just doing work because the teacher said it, right? I mean, that's part of it, but you're also doing it because there's a thought process behind it. When you get students to understand a thought process behind it, it allows them to take greater ownership of writing because writing is a very independent thing anyway, right? So you're, you're trying to teach them to become independent writers where you are used as a resource, but you're not, they don't depend on you. They're, they're depending on themselves, right? Uh, so part of that is uh, helping to explain why it is that you do the things that you do. Also outlining. So what's the purpose of an outline? <clears throat> Um, what should you be doing? And then also give them examples. What does an outline look like? The rough draft. When you have uh, assembled, you've generated ideas, you assemble those ideas into some sort of coherent outline and then putting meat to that in a rough draft, right? And then working between the rough draft and the final draft, however many iterations are necessary before you turn in something that will be graded. Very important, I would say, to... Uh, Implement this process if you have if you don't already implement it, and then also explain and model. Have students see what's the difference between you know a rough draft that has been edited and a rough draft that has I'm sorry a final draft that has been edited and a final draft that has not been edited. What's the difference, right? Again, seeing is believing. 